Hey everybody, I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Reign, an equine industry leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned. We're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Welcome everybody to another week here at Let Freedom Reign podcast. Our guest this week is professional journalist, better known as the wheelchair cowboy, Mr. Shane Tillman. Throughout this episode, Shane shares his inspirational story of perseverance and has not let his diagnosis of cerebral palsy define him. I had the privilege of meeting Shane in 2019 at Nikki Flunder's Heart of the Horse. And I mean it when I say it, Shane is one of the strongest individuals I've met. Horses have played an incredible role in Shane's life since he was five years old. In addition to earning a communications degree from Tarleton State, Shane has interviewed some of the most prominent cowboys and cowgirls in the Western industry. You can follow him on Facebook at The Wheelchair Cowboy, and check out his YouTube channel titled The Wheelchair Cowboy, where he regularly uploads his videotaped interviews. Should you find the content of this episode valuable, please share it with a friend. You can find us on both Facebook and Instagram under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. We hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is our interview with The Wheelchair Cowboy, Shane Tillman. Well, um, like I said, my um cancer is gone, and actually, actually, I use a dog dewormer to do that. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty crazy. I remember you telling me a little bit about that up in Canada. Yeah, and I was, I'm still, I'm still taking that stuff, but it it did uh, cure my cancer, and there've been over um a hundred people that have been cured from it. So it's not, you know, something that they you know, conventional cancer treatment is, but it's working for a lot of people. Interesting. Interesting. If I'm not mistaken, you had a couple bouts with cancer, no? Yeah, yeah, I did. And what kind of cancer was it? Lymphoma. Wow. So that's yeah. systematic, right? It's uh, it's in your lymphatic system, yeah. So it's all, you know, your whole, your whole immune system pretty much gets all wrecked from wow. that. <laughs> so... That's crazy. In fact, the doctor, when I was on chemo, they they were like, don't go outside, you're going to die. You know? Just because it, it knocked down your immune system so much? But, because I didn't have an immune system for years. For years, huh? <laughs> yeah. So, after. so when did it first come about? It came, first came about in uh, 2016 was when I first got diagnosed, but I had uh, shingles and some other illnesses before that. I had two baths of singles and uh, a few other things that happened, you know, as far as the illness walk goes, and on top of the CP and how that works and how that kind of makes your immune system just, you know, it's hard to get around and such. So uh, your body burns more, more calories than what it would normally do, you know, if you didn't have those kind of issues. So uh, just something that I've had to deal with my whole life. But I never let it stop me from doing anything I wanted to do. So, and I would want to do more than what than what they've said I should do. You know, like. And that's why I wanted to. That's why I wanted to get you on the show because obviously we met way back at Heart of the Horse last year, and just getting to sit down and talk with you and, and hear about your story and all the inspiration that you've provided to so many people. I thought it'd be great to get you on and and let you tell your story a little bit because. It truly is special, man, and and I told you this before, and I truly believe it. But you're definitely one of the toughest dudes I ever met. Well, I, I definitely try hard to because my parents, and this is something you know we can talk about or whatever. Uh, my parents 
never treated me like I had a disability impact. I know, you know, I, even though I knew I did, you know. Yeah. But, but they never stopped me from, you know, like, uh, I was going to mention this, uh, you know, I've been riding horses since I was five years old, and I got booked off every day for, like, two years. And then one day I just, I just didn't get booked off no more. Yeah. <laughs> and um, my dad was a bull rider back when he was younger, so he, he enjoyed the horses and everything, and we were involved with the uh, racehorse business and all that type of thing, so I got to feed every day, and I got to, you know, be around them all the time and ride them whenever I wanted and stuff like that. Um, because they were racehorses, I didn't ride those, but we had pleasure horses and everything, too, at the time, so I was able to uh, ride at the farm and stuff like that. So, um, I, I was able to be around him a lot when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. we moved out, uh, to Pontiano Lake and we still had the racehorse deal going. And so we had, we had, uh, racehorses and then we had a lodge and marina that we were running and my parents were running and I was helping with it. But because we weren't able to be around the horses that much because the Badger River Authority on the land uh, didn't allow us to keep horses out there. Mm-hmm. So when we when we moved out, when we decided to move out there full time, we sold the horses, and all I could get was closest to a horse with a a watercraft. So oh, I geez. rode every day. I rode every day. At about so many miles an hour all the time. Excuse me. And I would, uh, Seventy miles an yeah. hour. Yeah, that's cooking. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's moving. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, um, so I got to where I got pretty good with that, and so when I decided to uh, get back with the horses and such, it made it really easy to ride them because I was used to riding other things going real fast. Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah, especially if you're riding, riding watercraft at 70 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would, I don't know exactly if it was all at 70 all the time, but I would ride them at pretty much full tilt, at, yeah. you know, as much as possible. <laughs> That's incredible. That's incredible. So I want to help kind of educate listeners a little bit. Uh, obviously, you were diagnosed with cerebral palsy. Can you yeah. kind of explain a little bit about how, how cerebral palsy affects you and, and some of the challenges that you face day in and day out? Okay, well, I'll, because you're a horse, you know, this horse, uh, thing, I'll give you the medical term. Um, the medical term for what I have is double hemoplasia cerebral palsy, which means that, uh, your body, if maybe cut down, uh, split in half and cut down the middle. Mm-hmm. And which means that my, my left side, of my body is stronger than my right side. Okay. And so my right side is a little bit weaker just because my, my brain, uh, how it works is you're, we get, we have CP and stuff. You're, the left side of your brain controls the right side of your body and the right side of your brain controls the left side of your body. So what's, what's on me got damaged was the left side because my, Left hand works good, so the other side got there. I mean, it's kind of reversed, but yeah. I guess God, I guess God had that, had that way for us. I don't know. There's a lot of things about the body that you wonder 
why do you do it like that? Why, yeah. You know, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know, but uh, we'll find out, I guess, when we get up to the big guy upstairs, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, say, I'm sure we'll all get that data and ask that question, right? Yeah, so, um, but anyway, my, my uh, you know, parent, parents and my dad always knew that horses, you know, were good therapy for me. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. actually how, that's actually how I met Nikki was I, when I went to college and if, if you want to straighten this up, we'll, we'll figure it out. When I went to college at Charleston State, um, I graduated from there with a communication degree and I met Nikki at the therapeutic learning center there. And that's how we became friends. Oh, no kidding. That's cool. Yeah. And so we've, we've been real good friends ever since. And she's, she's been an awesome person. And anytime I have a work question, uh, she's the first person I call. Yeah. No, <laughs> she's been an incredible resource for us here at the show and just so kind having us up at Heart of the Horse last year. And, and her and Dustin are just amazing, amazing people. Well, when I, when I heard they were doing the Heart of the Horse thing, I, you know, I was like, I, I want to come be involved with it yeah. if I can. So yeah. she was like, Really excited that I was coming all the way from Texas to Heck you know, yeah. see something like that. And in fact, I talked to Matt's grandmother. <laughs> they were at Heart of the Horse and told her where I was from. And she's like, "What are you? Doing? You know, why are you all the way up here from, <laughs> from there? You know, like, yeah, why? Yeah, I'm like because I'm been friends with Nikki for a long time. So yeah. <laughs> it was a great event, so, man. I had a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yes, it was a great time, and uh, I've known Amberly for a while too, so it was just great for me. And that's the main reason why I came up there was to was to visit with them and see them, and then I got a chance to meet you and meet yeah. all of these other people. So it was really really nice. So it is cool, you know how how so many people in the Western industry, right? We're all we're all so busy with whatever our obligations are, and. Sometimes it's events like Heart of the Horse or like the National Finals Rodeo right in Las Vegas every year. It's a chance for everybody to kind of get together all in one place and you get the opportunity to catch up with old friends and, and, you know, meet new people. And it's just nice to, nice to all be centrally located at some of these larger events. Well, like, like I told, uh, Hunter's wife the other day, um, was that I feel like even though we all live here in Texas in this, a lot of us live in Texas, but a lot of us don't see each other every day. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> so it's kind of, you know, big events like the national finals and such where a lot of us see each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good stuff, man. So I want to go back and kind of revisit. It's obviously incredible all that you've had to overcome in your life, you know, and, and cerebral palsy has not stopped you one single bit. And now I want to spend a little time talking about the journalism side of your life. I mean, you have an incredible YouTube channel. You've interviewed probably some of the greatest cowboys in the world, right? You stay really busy pumping out videos left and right. So let's kind of talk about how you graduated college and then you first kind of got into journalism as a profession. Well, okay. How I got into that was I actually know April Bach Patterson from when I went to school in Weatherford College before I made it to Charleston. Mm-hmm. I met her there in Weatherford because she and I went to school there in Weatherford and got our, our, uh, you know, when you go to junior college, you, uh, go for a couple of years and you move on to whatever you're doing. Well, after she got her, uh, after she got her time there in 
had her time there in Weatherford, she decided she wanted to uh, start this magazine because obviously everybody knows who Alan, Alan Bach is and how yeah. talented he is in the in the regular world. So she decided she wanted to start this magazine that uh, that uh, featured you know different radio athletes and such. Mm-hmm. So when when I got my degree from Carlton in communications, she she asked me she's like, "Well, you already know." You know a lot about the industry. You know a lot about this lifestyle. I want you to do a few articles for me. So that's how oh, that wow. part of that's how that part of that happened. And I've done a few articles for on top of my YouTube channel. And uh, I'm actually in the process of writing a book right now. And uh, going to talk about different aspects of my life, like like we're doing right here today. Heck yeah, that's good stuff. So uh, it's Rodeo Fame Magazine, right? Is what yes, she runs? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So you've written for Rodeo Fame, and uh, let's yeah. talk about your YouTube channel a little bit too, because, I mean, you get to interview folks just like I do, but you do it in person and you do it all over the country. So how did you get your start doing doing the video interviews? Well, the video interview was just something that I, I wanted to do because – when I first got sick, I was like, you know, I want to use my degree in some way, shape, or form, but I can't really work a nine-to-five type of job. So I figured YouTube would be a great way to yeah. uh, get, uh, do that. And just really, to be honest with you, how how it really got started was I just went up to two people and said, Hey, I have a degree from Charleston Communications and such. Would you like to do an interview with me? And that's how it kind of got started. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. I mean, you just can't be, you just got to kind of be, uh, you know, bold and be, yeah, uh, got to put yourself out there. Wanting to try and yeah. see what happens. <laughs> so, how, so, how many interviews do you think you got under your belt to date? Probably right now, I would say I probably got. Close to twenty interviews under at the yeah. moment. Yeah, That's even good though stuff. I don't have a, even though I don't have them all published yet, I have a lot of them on my phone. Well, I'll tell you this: it's it's what's incredible about it is uh, I have the convenience right of recording all these episodes over the phone. So it's just a matter of getting schedules aligned for me and and people sitting down and and jumping on a phone call. But for you to get out and reach these people and actually do these face to face interviews, you know, on camera, it's pretty impressive. Especially with the schedule you got. Well, uh, like I, like I, um, you know, I always, I feel like that I'm very lucky to uh, have the friends that I have and be in the industry that I'm in because, you know, like being with Nikki and Kateri and people like that are like, uh, you know, I'm like, um, it's pretty awesome to just know them and know that they are friends of mine and we. I was going to tell this story about 10 years ago. I, I had a cold or something, and I called Nikki, and we're just going to check on her and see how she was doing. And I actually just texted her and see, you know, how are you doing? And she said, uh, she said, what's wrong? And I said, what do you mean what's wrong? Because, you know, I was just being, you know, nice and everything. She said, well, you're not as perky as you really are. You're not as a BG we are and I, I I was um I, and then I told her yeah I have a cold 
So that's why yeah. I'm not, you know, it, it was amazing to me, uh, somebody like that, uh, that could see through a text message that I wasn't feeling well. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. It's <laughs> pretty mean, incredible. Nikki is special. Uh, that's for sure. She's definitely, uh, got, um, a way with horses and people and, you know, it's a great to be a, a friend of hers. Heck yeah. Most definitely. So I want to spend a little time talking about all the stuff that you've done with horses. You know, you're, you first introduced to the, to the horses at a young age and, and you talked about dad having race horses and, and you having the opportunity to ride a whole multitude of disciplines. What were some of your early experiences on the horse? And you talked about the benefits of it. What were those benefits for you personally? Well, if, if you ever, I know you have your own horse yourself. And if you've ever, um, studied a little bit about, um, the, um, aspect or dynamics of horses, or I guess you would call it the, the physiological side of horses, you notice that when they take, when they take a step, you feel it through your entire body. Yeah. And that is something that, that is something that is beneficial for people that have like illnesses or, or disabilities or, uh, like can really have a, uh, you know, like a, uh, like a traumatic injury or a, uh, disability of some part and where your body doesn't work exactly correctly and your, the, your muscles move. A horse can move every single muscle in your body just by them walking. Yeah. And so, so it's pretty, not only are they moving their muscles, but they're moving your muscles too, especially if you can't move them like I have trouble moving my feet and such. So it helps me to ride horses just for the physical extra of riding. So, so for you, it's kind of w- waking up parts of your body that, that not, aren't normally used or was it a balanced thing? Yeah, I mean, pretty, 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 pretty much. Yeah. That's what I would say. That's incredible. So, what were your earliest memories like when you knew, hey, I know horses were around you getting your start, but when you, when was the first time you really knew horses was your, was going to be your thing? Well, I, I always, from the time that I was, like I said, I started riding at five, and from the time that I was very, very young, I knew that horses was something that I wanted to be around in some way, shape, or form for as long as I could. Yeah. And yeah. like I was telling you, when my parents had that, that um resort and everything i couldn't i couldn't be around them anymore much i was uh still had the passion and the the desire to be uh around them and actually my whole family has pretty much been around them my cousins are professional cutting horse trainers and my brother worked on a ranch and my younger brother also worked on a ranch and i've worked on a ranch in the past so we've all we've all had our experience out in the country and being around animals and such. And, uh, like I said, my cousins are professional cutting horses. And that's how I got into the cutting horse thing pretty much is because I saw what they were doing. I was like, I want to try this. So that's how I went kind of, kind of that. So. so I think it's a great opportunity to kind of offer up what you do as far as riding horses now. If people haven't picked up on it, right, you talk about riding the watercraft 70 miles an hour, you talk about being around the horses, <laughs> Shane Tillman's known to push the envelope a little bit, right, and get the most out of life. Um, 
you talked about the benefits of a horse, you know, just walking, right? The physical benefits of a horse walking, but you don't really do much walking on a horse. Let's talk about your, your experience riding cutting horses. Well, I've ridden a few of them. I've, I've actually practiced on a couple of them and it's pretty fun. It's like, you know, after, after you ride a sea dew and you ski at 80 miles an hour and everything I've done, that, comes pretty easy heck yeah heck yeah <laughs> and, and uh you know i'm not saying it's easy but whenever your body is used to doing something at such a high level uh when you when you go down to something that only goes 40 miles an hour <laughs> it's an easy step so down I, for you huh it makes it an easy step i guess i'll tell you the first time <laughs> i'll never forget the first time i rode a cutting horse some guys were jaw jacking at the time i was roping and they were saying it's easy to rope because all you do is you go straight and you make a left turn and you don't know the first thing yeah. about riding. So I said, all right, give me one of them horses, right? And I put up the rope horse and jumped on one of these cutting horses. And I'll tell you what, when that horse made that first big move on, on, on a cow, I was addicted at that point. I said, now I now I see why people spend all the time and effort and money on, on equipment and travel and genetics to get the perfect cutting horse because uh, it's sure. an amazing experience. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have to say it's it's. I've I've been I I was able to do it right after I graduated college a little bit because I went out to my cousin's place and uh, practiced on the mechanical cow. Yeah, and it was pretty uh, uh pretty fun experience to do that and see the horse move underneath you and all that stuff that's involved. And I know you. That. I know you have pretty lofty goals with the horsemanship side of things, right? In between the the last time we talked, I think, and now you you were working on training up a horse, yeah? Yeah, I'm. I'm and I was going to mention that uh, my cousin actually was talking to me about. He has a a paint filly that is about a year and a half old. So in about a month, in about two weeks, I'm going to go out there and start uh, halter breaking it and just gentling up and using the. Uh, using the join up method and the, the Monty Roberts style method to, uh, mm -hmm. <clears throat> train that horse because my cousin said he had never, he only seen Liberty work done one time and, uh, with my, uh, relationship with Nikki and friends with Nikki and knowing Dan and everything like that. I, I've actually studied Liberty work for, I would say at least 25 years. Oh, wow. So. It's, uh, because I started reading, a friend of mine gave me Monty Rogers' book to mm -hmm. read, and I read that, and I was like, man, this is, this is something I really want to try. So, uh, whenever we had our horses, my dad was actually the first one that we, actually, I had ever seen anyone do it in person. So, I, after seeing Nikki do what she does, because she didn't really know that I had any experience in liberty work or anything involving that. Mm -hmm. But, um, but since she had, I told her, but I, I'm looking forward to training my own horse and, and see, uh, training the horse that my cousin had for me and see how, how that goes. Heck yeah. <laughs> so, Heck yeah. yeah. That's going to be an incredible experience, you know, and Liberty work poses its own challenge, so you really got to be in tune with yourself, right? And you really got to be in tune with that horse to get to get anything done. Well, I'm actually going to use another horse to do that because of my because of my disability. I don't want to 
put myself in a situation that would be dangerous for me sitting in a chair. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna use two horses to to train uh use be on one and then train one to That's uh, incredible man. Start so, that horse from horseback. Yeah. So that's how I'm gonna do it. Just to keep myself safe and not kick get kicked in the head or something. Well I was gonna say it's so dangerous anyway for anybody, right? Yeah. But I, I definitely don't want to do it from my chair. Yeah, heck no. <laughs> heck no. That'd Good be stuff. very be, be very dangerous, so I don't want to try that. <laughs> yeah, let's talk a little bit about your goals for, for cutting. I know by the end of the year you wanna to try to get yourself entered up. Well yeah, I do I do and I definitely uh wanna practice and um, like I said, I'm working on a book and I'm also planning on going to Houston, uh, next month and, uh, doing stuff every Houston because I've never been there before. So I'm looking forward to, uh, going there and checking that out. But the, the cutting horse stuff, like I said, I'm going to practice a little bit and then go to a couple of shows and, and see how I like the peak. Yeah, uh, the competing side of things. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. It's awesome. So. It's awesome. So obviously, right? Uh, you have the nickname, the wheelchair cowboy. Yeah. Let's talk about how you first got that nickname, and maybe who 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 gave it to you. Well, I I actually came up with that myself. My dad, I, my dad was probably the first person that said, you know what what makes you the wheelchair cowboy, or you know because. Because when I was in college, you know, we had what they call DJ names that we had to use uh, for at our um, when we had our air spots and stuff. Uh-huh. And so uh, that was something we had to do was come up with DJ names to be catchy and whatnot. Heck yeah! And so, so <clears throat> I decided. Uh, that when I was going to do this YouTube channel, then I needed kind of a DJ name to uh, kind of, you know, get out there and be something that's catchy and unique and, you know, different. And so I decided to uh, start that, and it's kind of just took it off from there. I was going to say, the self-proclaimed wheelchair cowboy has definitely taken off. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I figured that with... With my background and all that stuff, that I don't think it's, you know, it's it's not a it's not a far stretch. <laughs> no, no, I think it's I think it's funny the story behind it, right? Because you kind of you got it to to fulfill the requirements of a class, right? You made something kind of catchy. It was relative to what you what you got going on, and and you needed it to to get through that communications degree. But here it is, it's it's a profession now for you. It's how you're known in in the in the rodeo world. Yeah, well. I had, actually, I had, in college, I had a different, uh, DJ name. I was, I called myself the, uh, uh, the Shane the Freight Train because I also <laughs> used, used to ski, used to ski at, uh, used to ski and I was learning, I was taught by, uh, people that used to train, ski, uh, tree skiing, all that kind of thing, backwood skiing, I guess you call it. Uh huh. And so they, they would take me up to, Blues and black runs where I would ski anywhere from learn how to do hockey stops and such to get your chair stopped. That's incredible. <laughs> so, uh, that's how that happened. So I used that as my DJ name there in college, and then I decided to come up with another one when I when I graduated and all that stuff. The rebranding so, of Shane Tillman, huh? 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a way to get my name out there. Good, good, so. good. So let's talk about the future for you. I know you got you got plenty more interviews lined up. You'll always be pursuing the the video journalism side of things. But let's talk about the book and kind of how that came to be and when it's set to be released. Where you are in that project? Okay. Well, the book uh, was another, another thing. Um, I I just decided, you know, there's there. I have all these stories to tell, like we're doing today, and I I figured that I would write this book to get my story out there to talk about, talk about the illnesses and the CP and everything like that. So um, that's what started the whole book process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how far along are you? Where are you at in that process? I'm probably I'm probably about 20 pages in on on a, probably a 150 page project or something because what happened was I had to slow down because I got I got uh, a little ill again and stuff like that, so I couldn't work on it every day like I wanted to. But that's the good thing about having a YouTube channel, and I was going to mention this to you. That's the good thing about having a, a YouTube channel and not, like I said, not being able to work a full-time job because if you need to stop for four or five years like I had to because of my uh, illnesses, uh, that I, I'm able to do that in those videos are still there, so it doesn't really affect you any you're not you're not on some time clock waiting on somebody to say you have to be somewhere, you have to do do this and because most of my work has all been freelance. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I wanna I wanna talk a little bit about your illness. You recently got some incredible news, which I was extremely grateful to hear. Let's talk about the last few years for you because it's been a long road traveled and you fought like heck and and recently had some incredible success. Yeah, I um I was diagnosed with uh, stage three lymphoma cancer in 2016, and before that I had the shingles and a couple other uh, viruses that might cause the cancer. But when I was diagnosed with with the uh, cancer in 16, I uh. About a month or so later, I started on the traditional chemo, uh, you know, treatments and such because I thought, you know, that's the only thing out there. And I started to look for other, uh, forms of treatment because the chemo and stuff was just so hard on me. I was lo- losing my hair and losing eyebrows and losing yeah. all kinds yeah. of things itching and it was just horrible when the chemo was making it 10 times making it worse <laughs> so as far as it was helping kill the cancer but my body was having issues with it <laughs> you know yeah so well that's a tough and, part with chemo right is it i mean you're literally poisoning everything yeah pretty much you're poisoning your whole body just to kill one thing yeah. so that's not it's, it's good that it worked for some people but actually, there have been studies that uh, it doesn't work for everyone. Mm-hmm. In fact, it uh, it hurts more people than helps us yeah. sometimes, I think. And that's, you think that's from uh, just lowering the immune system? Well, no, I think it's just from attacking the whole body. You know, yeah. Like, yeah, it's a lot of stress. Because I don't, I don't exactly know what uh, chemo is all made out of, but whatever it is, it's not good. When the, when the nurses and doctors tell you, like, they gave you a drug called the Red Devil. Mm-hmm. That can't be good. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
So anyway, to um, you know, just uh, talk about that. I decided to, you know, I was looking for some natural treatments and such, and I decided to uh, I I was able to I was given pancreasy, which if you know what that is, that's a that's a deep rumor. Mm-hmm. Horse they use it for horses, they use it for dogs, they use it for all kinds of things. But there's there's a dr- a drug in there called uh fenbenzol I believe and they found they found that uh that it cures cancer and uh the guy who found it uh was I believe he had cancer and he uh decided that he would start taking it and some I don't remember the exact story and, um but he he decided he would start taking it and then uh you know, he cured himself of cancer and he, he knew that he had to get a, he had to get a blog out there or something to tell people about how this works because I don't I think it was one of those things where the the drug maker were you know, accidentally made something that works. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so Well whatever it is, right, with the with the recent news of remission, I mean, I couldn't have been more excited when I read that. Yeah, I was I was really excited and I was you know, because every everything that I heard from all the traditional doctors said, you know, you should already be gone, you should already be dead, you know, all that kind of mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff that you don't want to hear from anybody. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they were they were giving me treatment. They were giving um. There's a treatment called stem cell uh stem cell transplant. If you ever heard of that, yep. and um, I'm not a candidate for that because my um. Um, lung function. I have what they call low pulmonary function. So, uh, with me, my my lungs and my my stuff doesn't work normally. And they said that if I was on that that stem cell uh, transplant thing, that I would probably it would probably kill me because oh, it's rough on the lungs or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate you definitely sharing all of this story and all of your testimony because i mean now it gives a lot greater context and when i talk about you being one of the toughest dudes i ever met i mean it's incredible all that you've overcome in your life and and for you to be so positive and so inspirational and so uplifting it's just it's an absolute blessing man and i couldn't be more grateful for our relationship um you're, you're, well you're, i'm, I'm you're glad you're a hero, friend man. jason so it's pretty awesome I yeah. think, uh, so good stuff so what's in store for you the rest of the year my friend well, I, like I said, I'm, I'm, um, I actually met Terry Kelly up there at Heart of the Horse, and she is, um, one of the, uh, you know, leading people in the horse industry as far as the stuff she's done with her life, as far as, you know, being the, uh, Calgary, uh, Stampede, you know, queen and everything that she's done and all her, Extreme cowboy race stuff and you know all that. So I'm planning on going uh, to ride with her at her ranch at some point this summer, and then I'm also planning on going back to the Calgary Stampede. Oh, cool. And then obviously I'm planning on still going to Houston and uh, also back to the finals in Vegas this year. So. Um, those are the things that I'm looking forward to do outside of 
the cutting stuff. I was going to say, you got some travel ahead of you, my friend. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I hope that everything works out uh, for for me to be able to do all that. So, so yeah. was, was Heart of the Horse your first trip to Canada? No, the second one. <laughs> second one. Okay, so that was my first trip up to Canada in, in that southern Alberta area, and I was just blown away at how beautiful that country is up there, man. It was absolutely gorgeous. Uh-huh. It really is. It's it's something else. And if you haven't ever been, been to Calgary for St. Pete, you uh, need to take some time to go up there. That's that's a very awesome trip. And I I was lucky enough because of my relationship with uh, with the Radio Fan Magazine, I was able to go up there and uh, get get in the back and interview Jordan Hansen and uh, uh, Chase Outlaw, which are two of the best bull riders anywhere, yeah. on the plan- anywhere on the planet. So um, I haven't been able to put that up on my YouTube yet, but uh, that's one of my next videos that I'm going to put up. Good stuff, man. I know I've the Stampede has always been on my bucket list of, of rodeos to make it to because it's not just the rodeo itself, right? It's the experience and the hundreds of thousands of people that go through that place. And, well, you and got the, the fair, the and you got you got the midway, for, like the fair type thing out there, yep. and there's a ton of stuff to do, and like you know, there's all kinds of shows going on, and like like it's you know like they say that it's the greatest show on earth, and the uh, greatest outdoor show on earth, and they're definitely not lying at all about that's awesome about it because. There are people that come from all over the world just just to spend that ten day time there at the uh, at the rodeo, and even if you don't spend all ten days, coming there for just a couple days is yeah. Definitely check it all out. Trip. Good stuff. So when you get to go to Vegas at the end of the year, do you uh you actually get down to sit or excuse me, do you actually get to sit down and enjoy yourself a little bit, or are you doing more interviews and and working? Oh, I I love doing interviews and stuff, but yeah, I'm sure I have time to just uh. You know, Vegas is Vegas is a very uh, it's a very busy town. <laughs> oh yeah, and there's plenty of stuff to do for sure. But yeah, I, I pretty much center myself around everything around the radio, and so. But yeah, there's some other time that I have. In fact, the last time that we went to Vegas, I stayed. We stayed an extra day just so we wouldn't have to rush out, or we would have some time to, you know. To go away and do some other things besides yeah. just the rodeo thing. So good stuff. Well, we've always uh, we were going down there every year for a couple of years, and then the last few we've had to take it off. We've just been busy and had other callings in life. But uh, we have every yeah. intention of trying to get down there at the end of this year, man. So if we get down there, we'll have to hook up, maybe go out to dinner or get a drink well, or something. I, you know, I if that happens, that'd be great because I I'd love to do something like that because. Like a like I said, I'm always busy with something. Yeah. So when I'm up there, somebody always calls me and asks me for <laughs> you know doing doing something, or yeah. I'm talking to April, or I'm you know because I because April lives in San Antonio, and I live here. Uh, I live you know North Texas that uh, we're not able to see each other near as much as we were back in college. So it's it's just nice for me to be able to. Uh, Go out there and hang out with friends that I haven't seen in years. <laughs> it's awesome, man. Truly awesome. So as we uh, as we wrap every show here at Let Freedom Rain Podcast, I like to give every guest the opportunity to kind of share their legacy, right? 
And, and oftentimes I pose the question as if, you know, for, for people traveling down the road of life, what advice would you like to share with them? How would you like to inspire them? Well, I would just say, uh, that, uh, life is short. So, you know, make it the best out every day and, and don't quit. Uh, you know, uh, even if it doesn't always work out the way you want it to. And my life is a testament to not exactly working the way I want it to all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just keep, just keep going and pushing and trying hard to do what the best that you can do. And as long as, uh, you know, you do the best you can do and, uh, work hard every day to be a blessing to people and everything that, um, I think they got looks coming on that. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm looking for I'm, that's what I I would say, and just don't give up. You know, like because I I've had every reason in my life to give up, but I, you know, I I just don't quit. And one thing that I can say real quick about it is that you know I have every reason to give up. In fact, when I was in college. You know, a lot of people told me, you can't go to college during a wheelchair. Yeah. And I was like, you know, that shouldn't stop me from, you know, getting the degree and whatnot. And I didn't let it stop me. It may have took me longer to get out, but I got it done. Yeah, absolutely, Shane. And that's what, man, I'll tell you, I can't thank God enough to call you friend and and everything that you speak or have spoken right there uh, as far as strength and fortitude and fighting on, man. You live it day in and day out. And I... I hope that you truly understand how much you mean to so many of us and, and we love you and your, your positive infectious attitude and all the inspiration you provide, man. I don't know that we could ever pay you back. Well, I just try to be hard to be me and that's all I see. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're pretty darn good at it, my friend. <laughs> good stuff. Well, we're excited for the rest of your future, man. And, and, and you know, we talk more than, than just this show, but if there's anything that I could do to help you out, you know, just, just, Hit me up via social media, shoot me a phone call, text message or whatever we do. Do what we can to help you out. And I thank you very much for making time for us. You know, uh, you got a busy schedule and all your obligations. So for you to sit down and talk with us for about an hour or so means a lot. I'm glad to be on with you, Jason. It was it's fun, my friend. <laughs> good stuff. Well, we're looking forward to talking to you down the road, Shane. But you take care and have a good rest of the day. I right, thank you. All right, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to this episode of Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, you can find us on social media under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. If you want to support the growth of this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, we thank you, and we'll see you on the next one.